Are you looking to give your immune system a boost? This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, liquid wild oil of oregano with rosemary extract and natural honey flavor. Future Farm's wild oil of oregano supports a variety of health benefits, including antimicrobial effects, as well as supporting the immune system. Plus, Future Farm is the first ever to formulate wild oil of oregano with rosemary. Rosemary aids circulation, helps alleviate muscle pain, improves memory, and also gives your immune system a boost. The natural honey flavor enhances the taste while still giving you all of the benefits. Future Farm sources this product from the Mediterranean and produces it in the United States. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Wild oil of oregano is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. MyFutureFarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for downloading these podcasts. I want to talk to you today about things that I'm compelled to tell you about, the latest that I'm reading about in the research, things that may be important to you. And I also like to take your questions and any topics of interest you may have. You can email me to radioprogram at AOL.com, radioprogram at AOL.com. Hey, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the Intelligent Medicine newsletter. Just go to drhoffman.com and you can subscribe there in the upper right side corner of, of the homepage there. All we need is your email. We don't use your email for anything else. It's free. The newsletter comes out about once a week and you can unsubscribe at any time. Okay. Let me get into this here. This is coming from uh, within Natural Practitioner. There's an article, and the source is the American Journal of Perinatology from October 2020. Hypothyroidism in pregnant mothers linked to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, that's ADHD, in their children. Hypothyroidism in pregnant mothers linked to ADHD in their children. Wow. Low levels of key body-regulating chemicals in mothers during the first three months of pregnancy may interfere with the baby's brain development. And this is from a large American study in the American Journal of Perinatology. These chemicals or hormones are produced in the thyroid gland in the neck and are known to influence fetal development. Investigators suspect that disruptions in their production or hypothyroidism may contribute to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, which is the most common Neurodevelopmental Disorder of Children in the U.S. Interesting. Led by an NYU, New York University, Long Island School of Medicine researcher, 
The new investigation showed that children whose mothers were diagnosed with hypothyroidism shortly before or during the early stages of pregnancy were 24% more likely to have ADHD than children whose mothers did not have the diagnosis. The authors say their findings also show that boys born to hypothyroid women were four times more vulnerable to ADHD than girls whose mothers had hypothyroidism. I find this so fascinating, the difference, you know, between males and females, boys and girls, and, and why in, in the context of autism, there are more boys with autism than girls. It's disturbing and fascinating at the same time. Anyway, uh, so uh, to, to repeat this, the authors say their findings also show that boys born to hypothyroid women were four times more vulnerable to ADHD than girls whose mothers had hypothyroidism. Hispanic children born to hypothyroid mothers had the highest risk of any ethnic group studied. Wow! So there are differences in ethnicities. Hispanic children born to hypothyroid mothers <clears throat> had the highest risk of any ethnic group studied. Our findings, quote, our findings make clear that thyroid health likely has a much larger role in fetal, fetal brain development and behavioral disorders like ADHD than we previously understood, said the lead author. So, among the study's findings were that once a pregnancy had reached the second trimester, a woman's hypothyroidism had little effect on her children. A possible explanation, say the researcher, is that by this point the fetus has begun to produce its own thyroid hormones, so is less vulnerable to its mother's deficiencies. The new investigation, publishing in the American Journal of Perinatology, followed 329,157 children from birth until age 17, all born in Kaiser Permanent Southern California hospitals. It's the first large-scale effort in the U.S. to examine a potential link between a mother's hypothyroidism and ADHD in her children, according to the study's authors. The authors also noted that unlike previous research in Europe, the new American study included people of diverse ethnic backgrounds and observed the children for nearly two decades. This long study period allowed the researchers to better capture cases of ADHD in children as they aged and progressed through school. As part of the new research, the team analyzed children's medical records and collected key information about their mothers, including age during pregnancy, race, and household income. All children were evaluated for ADHD using the same criteria, 
which the authors said helped to prevent inconsistencies in how cases of the disorder were identified. Now, according to the new findings, overall, 16,696 children were diagnosed with ADHD. Hispanic children whose mothers had low thyroid levels, had low thyroid hormone levels, Hispanic children, sorry, let me start again. Hispanic children whose mothers had low thyroid hormone levels during pregnancy had a 45% increased risk for the neurodevelopmental disorder compared with the 22% increased risk in white children whose mothers had the same condition. The researchers said the team's results are strong enough to warrant careful monitoring of pregnant women with low thyroid hormone levels. They added that children whose mothers had low thyroid hormone levels during pregnancy could potentially benefit from earlier surveillance for signs of ADHD, such as inattention, hyperactivity, and difficulty focusing on a task. Previous research has found that swift, swift intervention can help manage ADHD and make it easier for children to succeed in the classroom and in learning social skills. Now, we know already that women who first become pregnant and then are checked, <clears throat> and then their thyroid levels are checked, if there is even a small chance that there is hypothyroidism present, it must be treated. It must be treated, otherwise the, 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 the pregnancy may result in miscarriage. This we know. This we know. What the study is not telling us is are these women, are these pregnant women being treated for the hypothyroidism during pregnancy? I would assume so. Because to me, or in my world of integrative medicine nutrition, that we know that hypothyroidism is a risk for miscarriage during pregnancy. And that the, that the hypothyroidism must be treated. I could tell you a case study of a woman who called and said, but I don't want to take thyroid medicine. Well, if you don't, you may miscarry. Okay. That was a very short conversation. She had a, she had a good uncomplicated pregnancy and is the mother of a healthy, happy baby girl who at this point I think is 10 years old. So we know that any hypothyroidism in a pregnant woman needs to be monitored, needs to absolutely be treated with thyroid replacement for risk of miscarriage. But this is interesting, and I imagine that these women are treated, or maybe they're not treated, or maybe it's on the subclinical horizon for hypothyroidism. You know, practitioners in integrative medicine they, they really scrutinize the thyroid numbers, in my opinion, sometimes even better than mainstream endocrinologists do. So I have a lot of questions about this more than anything, but don't I always have more, more questions uh, than anything? Anyhow, moving on from here, there's a very interesting uh, study. This was released just this, uh, this month in March from Integrative Medicine, 
the journal, a, clinici a clinician's journal, IMCJ, Integrative Medicine, a clinician's journal that compounds from apples may boost brain function. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Natural compounds found in apples and other fruits may help stimulate the production of new brain cells, which may have implications for learning and memory. And this is according to a new study in mice, which is published in Stem Cell Reports, the journal of Stem Cell Reports. Chemical substances found in plants, so-called phytonutrients, such as resveratrol in red grapes or epigallocatechin 3-gallate, which is EGCG, EGCG in green tea, can have positive effects on different parts of the body, including the brain. Researchers Tara Louise Walker, University of Queensland, Brisbane, Australia, and Gerd Kipperman, German Center for Neurodegenerative Diseases, Dresden, Germany, and colleagues, have found that high concentrations of phytonutrients from apples stimulate the generation of new neurons, a process called neurogenesis. The study showed that laboratory-grown stem cells from adult mouse brains <clears throat> generated more neurons and were protected from cell death when quercetin or dehydroxybazoic acid, that's DHBA, phytonutrients commonly found in apples, were added to the cultures. Subsequent tests in mice showed that in distinct structures of the adult brain associated with learning and memory, stem cells multiplied and generated more neurons when the mice were given high doses of quercetin or DHBA. The effects on neurogenesis were comparable to effects seen after physical exercise, which is a known stimulus for neuro neurogenesis. We know that after physical exercise, especially after some cardio, that BDNF goes up. BDNF is brain-derived neurotropic factor. This is very important. It's a stimulus for neurogenesis. You know, back in the day, we thought that once the brain cells died, they were dead. But we can make new ones. You need some quercetin, some EGCG, some resveratrol. You need to eat right. You need to exercise. You need to sleep well. So this study, coming back to this study, suggests that natural compounds in fruits, such as quercetin, DHBA, and potentially others may act in synergy to promote neurogenesis and brain function when given in high concentrations. And of course, as they say at the end of every study, future studies will be required to determine if these and other phytonutrients can enhance learning and cognitive function in animal models and of course in humans. We want to see these kind of studies in humans too, if we could do it ethically, you know. It's that kind of a thing.
So this is very, very important. And we need to be eating right to stimulate brain cell production and to, pr to protect our brains. We need to eat right. We need to get the beneficial phytochemicals. We need to reduce the burden of inflammation in the body, right? Of, of, of oxidation. We don't want to rust, right? We don't want to rust. That's what we're talking about. We want to reduce the amount of AGEs, uh, 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 um, advanced glycation end products, AGEs. I had to grasp there in a moment in my own memory. I need to pop some quercetin or eat an apple or maybe do both. <clears throat> AGEs, uh, advanced glycation end products. Uh, these are all controlled by your diet and maintaining nor normal blood sugar levels. AGEs go up when our blood sugar is high, that rich dessert when you're eating too many carbs. AGEs also go up when you're doing a lot of, uh, when you're using a lot of uh, vegetable oils in your cooking, in your frying, and all of that, even though American Heart Association is still touting the benefits of vegetable oils. No. The best oils to use in your cooking are, I like olive oil, butter, I like the combination, I like avocado oil, coconut oil. These are the only fats I use in cooking, as should you. I know a lot of chefs like high smoke point oils, like uh, safflower, safflower oil, grapeseed oil. These are very pro-inflammatory. It's not great. But hey, we need to stop doing all this frying, right? We need to cook in different ways to reduce those advanced glycation end products. We need to eat better. We need to maybe try an air fryer. There are different things that, that we could do. We need to braise our food. We need to steam our food. We need to poach instead of always grill, but hey, grill season is upon us. It's March, right? It's already spring. You want to marinate. You want to marinate your, your, your meat, your chicken, your fish. And any kind of citrus-based marinade, and it can reduce the AGEs. And of course, you don't want to overcook or superchar anything. Yes, we want nice grill marks, but not superchar big black marks, right? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So this is very important. So between things, you know, compounds and apples boosting brain function, the impact of hypothyroidism in pregnant mothers being linked to ADHD, you know, I'm always asking myself, what's causing all the hypothyroidism? What's going on? Well, there are several things that are controllable that may be causing hypothyroidism, and that could be the consumption of too many goitrogens in the diet. Goitrogens are foods or substances that we ingest, that we consume, that block the intake of iodine by the thyroid gland. The thyroid needs iodine to produce thyroid hormones, T3, T4, and T3. It's T4 that converts to T3. When we're eating too many goitrogens and we're not able to absorb the iodine, 
that our thyroid critically needs from our diet, oh, from seafood, onions, maybe your seaweed salad, a little kelp, your iodized salt, things like that, or the iodine in your multi, then we don't, if we don't get enough thyroid hormone produced, we, it's, there's hypothyroidism. It could be a goiter. It could be that type of thing. That's why these foods are called goitrogens. That's what I'm talking about. So goitrogens are problematic. Um, other things that can be goitrogenic is if you're eating, uh, you know, raw kale, raw broccoli every day, every day, a raw kale smoothie every day, uh, lots of raw cabbage every day, the brassica family of vegetables. If you're eating these in huge quantities, like in a kale smoothie, a bag of kale, you would never eat a bag of kale in a salad. You shouldn't make that much smoothie from it. And always eating these vegetables raw may be goitrogenic. Let me name the, some of the brassica family vegetables. Kale, kohlrabi, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower. Did I already say broccoli? That's another one. We want to eat those cooked most of the time. Of course, eat them raw from time to time. Have a crudite or something, dip a little raw, raw broccoli florets into a little guacamole and enjoy that, of course. But I'm talking about people throwing these in a, into a blender every day and having them raw. There was a famous study. Uh, Dr. Hoffman mentions, has mentioned this often over the years. It was in the New England Journal of Medicine of an Asian woman, a Chinese woman in particular, who ate a lot of cabbage because of something she read, because she had diabetes and wanted to reduce her blood sugars and her weight and do all this. So all she ate was cabbage and cabbage soup and cabbage and cabbage. Well, she blew out her thyroid. She did this for a long period of time. I don't remember if it was weeks or months, but she blew out her thyroid. She had self-induced hypothyroidism. So all of you making your kale smoothies and things, take note, take, you know, heed this advice. Not every day. Cook that kale. Kale is good for us. All of these brassica family vegetables are good for us. We should be eating them. But not in these enormous quantities that may fit into your glass from a blender. It's way too much. Keep that in mind. Again, I invite you to email me to radioprogram at AOL.com with any questions, topics, topics of interest, and all of that. And if you want to make an appointment, please call the office, 212-779-1744, and Liz will set you up. Thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.